So I want to talk about grace of giving, and it's 1 Chronicles 29, and let me read from verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We're foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we've provided for building you a temple, for your holy name comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. Well, there were two ladies shipwrecked on an island. One lay against a palm tree, calm and serene. The other stood screaming, we're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. There's no shelter. You don't understand. We're going to die. The first lady replied, you don't understand. I make 100,000 pounds a week. And the second lady looked at her dumbfounded. Well, what difference does that make? We're on an island. There's no food. There's no water. We're going to die. And the first answered, lady answered, you just don't get it. I make £100,000 a week and I tithe 10% to the church. Relax, my vicar will find us. <laughs> well, our theme today is the grace of giving. And you know, it's to do with the whole area of stewardship, giving to God. And I think the challenge is, as we consider this sub- subject together, essentially what are we to do, both as individuals and as a church, in terms of our worship, our ministry, our mission, and our resources, all that God has called us to do. I think very often we, we get ca- caught up in a, a mindset that when giving is mentioned in church, the first default position is to thinking about money. And when we think about money, that default position which says, it's, it's my money, it's for me to use as I want to use it, you know, I'm in control and I control how much I give and when and so on, including to church. In other words, the focus being on me. But you know, this is not the mindset we find in the scriptures and it's not what God desires from us. Giving to God is not just about money. Although the area of money And what we do with it is given prominence in Old and New Testament. It's also important to say that neither is giving to God. Just about tithing, thinking of the lady on the island. Although the Bible has much to say on how much we should give to God. In fact, Jesus commends the idea of the tithe, the tenth, Matthew 23, 23. But I want to bring it back, if you like, to the basics And for us to see that the whole area of giving to God, our stewardship, is essentially to do with the whole area of our living for God. 
And how we spend our time and energy, how we offer our gifts and our talents, how we worship is as much a part of giving to God as our money and our resources. And so I want us just to pause for a moment and for us to consider how easily we get caught up in, if you like, the mindset about ownership and belonging. What belongs to God and what he's entrusted to us. In 1 Chronicles 29, King David, he's collected the people's gifts for the building of the temple. And these gifts, I mean, in today's money, it's billions and billions and billions of pounds. I mean, beyond anything you can imagine for a building. Billions of pounds. I mean, we're talking about millions for the new center. This is billions. Have I said billions? Yeah, billions of pounds. And the temptation was present for him, as it is for us, if you like to keep the attention on himself and how he was going to use and control that wealth. After all, he was king. In fact, probably one of the most powerful kings who has ever ruled. And this is what kings and rulers do, and they did. And when we see ourselves, if you like, as kings of our own castle, kings of the things that we have, we can do the same. And yet in verse 11, David displays an attitude that the Father is looking for and that Jesus came to see in us when he came on earth and uh, when he saw that in the widow in Luke 21. And I'll come on to that in a moment. But in the presence of the whole assembly, in other words, publicly, he makes this public profession of praise by saying these words, yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the majesty, and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is a kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are these people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And it's this, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. What an amazing prayer to pray publicly. What a declaration, recognizing everything comes from God. All wealth, all honour, all strength, all power. And what the people had given to build this incredible temple that Solomon, uh, David's son, was going to actually do the building, it had come from God in the first place. But you see, it's also a prayer that recognising that God is not looking for an overflowing pot of gold. He's looking for an overflowing heart of gold. Let me just say that again. He's not looking for an overflowing pot of gold. He's looking for an overflowing heart of gold. A heart of gold that desires to offer to the one who gives everything. To give all. Verse 16. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple, it comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. You see, we've, in David's case, we see someone who had everything, all wealth, nothing was lacking. And then Jesus turns our eyes in Luke 21, if you like, 
to the opposite extreme. A widow who comes to the temple to present her offering. In those days, the way they did that was by throwing coins into the treasury. These big kind of uh, um, brass jars. And those had loads of monies, you know, chuck it in. <laughs> Would echo around the building. Ah, oh, he's given a lot. You know, her little mites wouldn't have even made a sound. And Jesus says this, truly I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than everyone. You see, this is the grace of giving. And it's the grace that God loves to see flow in and through his church and among his people. And what a great time and a great opportunity we all have to demonstrate such grace, such generosity, such kindness. See, the prophet Malachi in 3.10 reveals the heart of God when he speaks the word of God. He says this, Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Was this written at a time of great national extravagance and wealth and prosperity? Absolutely not. God reveals his heart, spoken through Malachi, at a time of brokenness. And the challenge for us, as it was for Malachi, is for us to hear the words that God invites us. He says, try me now in this. This word try me, bakan, in the Hebrew, it means test, try, examine, prove, even set a trap. It's almost like try and catch God out in this. Test him, examine him. There's an invitation from the Lord for us to see what will happen when we bring our tithes to him. In other words, when we bring that that he's laid on our hearts to give to him, rather than cutting back because we feel we have to or worrying what tomorrow will bring out of fear and holding back in our, our giving. And by the way, God never wants us to go into debt. That, that's not biblical or, or scriptural. You know, we need to be good stewards of that which we have at this time. But as we see in the widow, what he's looking for is that wholehearted offering of throwing into the treasury, even if it's our mites and coins, knowing that even if they don't make a noise, God still hears it. And he delights when our hearts say a resounding yes and amen to his faithfulness and to his provision. And what a time we live in where we can try and test God in this. I mean, this last week, we've had a new prime minister and a new government. Our monarch, who is loved and revered around the world, has passed away peacefully. What a beautiful way that she was able to do that. And you saw the rainbow pictures around the Balmoral and Windsor. You know, wow, what a sign of God's blessing and faithfulness upon her and her life. 
But you see what's happened is in all the tumult and change and everything that's happened in this, this century, uh, these, this kind of past 90 years or so, people are so unsettled. This one constant person who was there always in all of our lifetime is no longer there. And you can just see it in people's faces. People are afraid. So much of the attention, understandably, is on rising costs and uh, energy bills and all of those kind of things. The way we're all feeling the effects of what is going on in the world today. And the question for us as a church is, how do we respond at such a time? How can we respond as individuals and as a church? Well, you see, I know the kingdom of God is foolishness to the world. And so much of it doesn't make any worldly or economic sense. But when you look at scripture, when you look at this passage, actually the message is clear. It's for us to trust more, to give more, to be more generous, to let the grace of giving overflow more into everything we do and everything we are. And the question is, well, how do we do that and how can we do that? And I think in one sense, the underlining principle is this, and this is for us as individuals, but also for us as a church. When we get to that point where we think this is enough, we can't do any more, that's the point to step out and trust God for the more. When we get to the point where we think this is our maximal levels, the maximum levels of like, what we can give and offer and all of those things, actually what God is inviting us to do is take another step and trust him more. The invitation is try me in this. I was struck, uh, we were talking as a chapter um, uh, about various things and one of uh, my colleagues was talking about an initiative that the UK government are setting up, sorry, not government, UK churches or some churches are doing called Warm Welcome. And it just really spoke to my heart. People, churches, aware of uh, so many millions of people not being able to pay energy bills, are going to open their churches as a warm welcome. Come and just be. This place is warm. Come and relax. Come and be at home. Come and have a, a coffee, tea, and some refreshments or whatever it is. Here you'll find a warm welcome. I love that. I love that is something that we can do. Maybe it's something that we need to do in Jersey. I imagine it will be the case to offer our resources up so that people find a warm welcome. And it may not just be the warmth of heating that they need. It may be the warmth of love and support and care and a listening ear. Someone that's just there for them as they're able to share in a very relaxed and informal way. Maybe one of the mores that we can be is more open and more available. Maybe one of the mores that we can do is offer more practical help. I mean, as a church family, we're amazing in the way that when people need meals, you know, meals and wheels goes into action and, pa- and Beverly and the pastoral care team and you all individually just kind of step up and, you know, bless people in so many ways. But maybe there's more that we can do in supporting people, in offering supermarket vouchers and all of those practical things And we trust God will speak and help us. We have a love fund that supports people. Maybe there's more we can do there. We have our resources. Maybe there's more we can do there. I love the fact that Wednesdays now is a stay and play or play and stay. I always get mixed up, but 
Stay and Play, I think it is, where um, the, the children's hub or part of it are coming to use our community. So families from all over the island can come and just be and find a support network and group. And I think there's so much more that we can do. And then, of course, we had Tuesday's meeting about the Hope Centre. You know, for many people, trying to build a new building at such a time does not make sense. And yet, if you were present, and we will be talking about this so much more at that meeting, there is such a sense of God's timing in this. A hope center, a center of hope, a place where people can come and find hope in Jesus and find hope in their lives and be rebuilt and restored and uh, a kind of reconciliation and all of those things redeemed that God wants to do here in this island and further afield. And as I was saying then, is, you know, our yes can't be a lukewarm yes. It has to be an altogether committed yes. And Tim reminded the staff on Tuesday, if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You see, the invitation God is giving us, test me in this. He wants us to see as we bring our tithes and our offerings to him, if he will not open for us, the windows of heaven. And he's done that already on the land and pour out such blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. And so many other ways for the more. I mean, Heather shared what we did Monday night on the field. I kind of almost had a picture of what it must have been like, almost a glimpse for Abraham. When he was under the stars and God promised him more children than he could see above him. And he doesn't even have a son. And yet, he tested God. And then the test came again when he was asked to sacrifice his only son. And yet he tried and tested God in this. And God revealed his incredible provision and resources. See, this is the grace of giving. I'd love each one of us to think again and pray about what God is asking us to give to the mission, the ministry of this church. And then next week as we come to our gift day, to the gift day. That's for all of us to come before him. But it's not just about money. It's about our time, our energy, the way we serve and how we serve. The way that, you know, so many of us, I think of so many of our leaders are going through real challenges and have done. You know, so many of us are facing this. And, you know, for myself, there are times when I've just reached maximum. You know, the picture of the swan, you know, you know the head above and the feet kicking. Well, for me, it's like a little bit of the beak <laughs> that seems to be above the water and everything else kicking underneath. And I know for many of us, you know, that is the reality we're in. But that is the time we can see God come through. That is the time when he loves to bless and pour upon us his blessing so that there is more than enough, more for us to share with those in our community 
and to see his kingdom come. I want to pray for us in a moment. I just pray that God would stir our hearts with the grace of giving. You see, at the heart of it is surrender. It's at the heart of it, it's saying, God, here I am. Everything I am, I give to you. Because it all comes from you in the first place. You know, the queen is rejoicing in heaven with the savior she served. She couldn't take Balmoral with her or Buckingham Palace or all the wealth that comes under that name and title. It's just little old her being welcomed into the heaven. And I imagine she heard the voice, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what God asks of each one of us, whatever he's entrusted us with, to give it to him, to present it to him, to trust him, and to know his provision and his faithfulness. Let's stand together. Can I just read two more verses? The amazing prayer that David prays publicly. But then in verse 17 and 18, he says this. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things, this is his personal prayer, I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. What an amazing prayer. You see, God knows he tests the heart and he tests each of our hearts. And so as I pray, just allow him to speak and just present it all to him. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we choose to surrender all to you and help us to be those who in the grace of giving give all to you and to those around us to see lives changed, to see lives saved, restored and built up that hope would come to many, many because of what you have done for us. And Lord, we say again, all things come from you and of your own do we give you for the glory of of your name. Amen.